for the word of God. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, and then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to rebel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They've been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that God brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath Change your mind and do not, bring, <clears throat> do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the disaster which God planned to bring on the Hebrew people. God is speaking. How quickly things change. You gotta love this story. You know, you just... Everyone is acting badly. Doesn't that make you feel comforted? How many of you act well all the time? How many of you just know what you're doing and you say, this is the right course, in heaven's name I'm going to follow that course no matter what. The last thing that the Hebrew people said to Moses after Moses gave them the, the Ten Commandments and you know, Moses comes down, he said, you talk to God. 
Because when you talk to God, the people live. But don't let God talk to us. Because if God talks to us directly, we're going to die. The people are freaked out. It says in the scripture, when Moses comes down off the mountain, his, his head glows. If you've ever seen a very funny picture of an old geezer that's got horns, it's a mistranslation from um, the first you know, the Latin Bible, where instead of having his head glowed, it said it has, has horns. So actually in the School of Theology at Boston University, they have a picture of Moses with horns. And in, the, <laughs> and in the Vulgate, it's a mistranslation of that. But anyway, whether he had horns or whether he simply glowed, people are like, this is not an experience that I want. I mean, we all think, oh, wouldn't it be great to see God face to face? Do you really think so? The people are freaked out. Moses goes back up the mountain, and for some reason, they have, I'm telling you, an extended conversation. The Bible basically says they talked too long. Like 12 chapters later, God is giving, not, God starts out by saying, okay, here's how you live the Ten Commandments, because Ten Commandments by themselves, no one, no one is going to be able to figure that out. You know, what does it mean? Not, you know. But then God gets into the tabernacle. How many curtains shall you have on the tabernacle? Now, when guys start talking about curtains, they've talked too long. Okay? Get back down the mountain. The people are down there. They're looking up the mountain. They're, they're seeing lightning and thunder, and they're saying, the guy's got to be dead. No one could survive this. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are your choices here? Oh, come on. This is not a hard one. The questions are going to get significantly more difficult after this. You want to answer the first one so you can be done. What do you do? What do you do? You're in the middle of the desert. Start listening. You can go back to Egypt. That's going to go real well, right? You've got to find a God. You've got to find someone to take care of you. So you pick on poor Jana. And not just Jana, but everybody else. And you boil down to, and, you, and you, make, you make the gods. And Aaron, who is supposed to be your leader now, says, these are your gods, and we're going to worship those gods tomorrow. And you do it. And what, what does God say to Moses? This is really funny. Your people, who you led out of Egypt have done this. Now, go away, and I'm going to, you know, let my anger burn hot against these people. What does Moses say? Time out. We, we need to take a little break. <laughs> you know. Moses says, your people, who you led out of Egypt, Who's right? We got Moses, God, and both. Now, one of these has got to be right. So we've, got, we've covered the three bases, unless you want to say someone else, which I, which I doubt. How do the Hebrew people get out of Egypt? What do they do? 
Does God pick them up in a crane? Drop them? What do they do? They walked. So did Moses have some part in leading them out of Egypt? Yeah. Could Moses have led them out of Egypt without God's help? No. Are these God's people? Are these Moses' people? Yes. Are they our people? They're both right. I mean, I love the story of the rabbi. You know, the, the first guy comes in and says, Rabbi, you know, my neighbor, he's a real schmuck. And, you know, here's why you got to rule against my neighbor. And the rabbi says, you're right. And the second neighbor comes in and says, you know, my neighbor, he's a schmuck too. And, and, you gotta, and the rabbi says, you're right. And the scribe is taking notes and he says, Rabbi, they both can't be right. You're right. I mean, this is one of those situations where everybody's right. I mean, God's right. These are Moses' people. Moses is right, they are God's people. But what happens if no one takes responsibility? Nothing happens. Nothing happens when people, no one takes responsibility. What's the first sin of the Bible? This is where it gets considerably harder. What's the first sin of the Bible? Cain and Abel, think earlier, I think. The apple... Okay, that's the traditional answer, the apple. What happens in that apple story? It's really not called an apple, it's called a fruit, but anyway, it's usually depicted as an apple. What happens? Not supposed to eat of the apple of the knowledge of good and evil. Serpent says to Eve, it's good to eat. What does she do? She argues for a while, then she eats, gives it to her husband, and he just eats because he's a good husband, and he thinks, I'm not arguing with my wife. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What's, is that the first sin? That's depicted as the first sin of the Bible. If you don't know the difference between good and evil, how do you know that disobeying is bad? What's the first sin of the Bible? God comes cruising through the garden and says... You got clothes on. You got something on. You got fig leaves. You know, fig leaves have like nasty little spines on them. You got to be really wanting to cover up if you put a fig leaf on. So, so what's up with this? And Adam says, the woman that that's did give me, she's the one. We're created to be response-able. Able to respond appropriately. We quickly become excuse-able. We make excuses. It's not my fault. I wouldn't have run off the road if it hadn't have been for the sun in my eyes. I wouldn't have been late if the television show hadn't been so good. You know, I take no responsibility for the game going into overtime. How could I miss the end of the game? You know, it could be the Spartans, you know. You're not going to miss the end of the game. You're going to show up late. The people are making excuses. They have to make a choice. They made an incredibly bad choice. You've got to admit, making a golden calf just doesn't seem like the best option, especially for Janet, because all that jewelry is gone. That's right. 
So they do that. What are your other choices? You said it earlier. Yeah, just keep listening. Just keep listening. There's a great song we're going to hear shortly. I hope. Which is, God may be late, but he's right on time. And I guarantee you, when you live this life, God will feel late. I guarantee you, if you were me, which you're not, but if you were, and I suddenly decide that now is when I'm going to pay attention. Okay, God, I'm listening now. Give me all the information you need to give me now. And what does God say? It's not time. This is not when you need the information I need to give you. And God doesn't tell you that. God just says, okay, I just, you know, just sit here. Most of your life in prayer with God is this, is this lovely communication of presence. But when you're seeking information, often it's about hurry up and wait. It's about waiting, 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 waiting. And you wait to the point where you think any information at this point is too late. But it's not. What do you do when you think it's too late? I'll give the Hebrews this. They took responsibility. They did it badly. They made a golden calf. Today is Healing Touch Sunday. And what I want us to think about is when you think God is too late to help, what do you do then? What do you do then? What do the great poker players do in that situation? They double down. You know, watch these... I hate poker, but I kind of sometimes I'll like, if I'm flipping between channels in a World Series of Poker or something, and you see these idiots and they got their shades and whatnot and their hats, and, but when it really gets tough, the chickens just get out and they lose. And the winners, they double down. They up their bet. And they live to play another day. Now, if poker people can do that, don't you think as people of faith, we can do that too? This is not an intellectual exercise. Because you know when, you know, your kid's having a hard time at school. What do you do? Do you throw up your hands? When your spouse loses your job, when your partner gets sick or dies, what do you do? Do you say, oh, well, it's too late. I need to find a God who will take care of me? I better create my own, something that seems better to me. How does that work for you? That's the choice. A lot of people say, I don't read the Bible because the stories are 5,000 years old and they have no relevance to my life. It's like, have you read these stories? These are our stories. We do this stuff all the time. Over and over and over again. We find an idol to worship. We find a way to give up on God. And what I love about the story 
is Moses says, look, Moses appeals to God's reputation. You know what they're going to say in Egypt. You didn't really have the goods to take care of your people. Your reputation is going to suffer something awful. God says to Moses, I'll make of you a great people now. Who was tempted by that? I mean, you want to talk about going to the top of the line, head of the line, top of the class. I'm going to make you a great people. Nick, forget Abraham. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And all of your descendants are going to be blessed. Isn't that tempting? Wow. Moses says, no, 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 no. You said that before to Abraham. If your promises are going to meet anything, you need to keep your promises. If we are going to do God's work, we work with God. Some people say, God will take care of it. You know the story about the guy who he's in a flood and he prays to God for, you know, for safety and somebody shows up to take him in their car and says, no, God will save me. Then the water goes up and somebody comes by in a boat says, get on. He says, no, God's going to save me. Finally, he's on a roof and somebody in a helicopter and says, no, God will save me. And he dies and goes to heaven. He says, I thought you were going to save me. He says, what do you want? I sent you a car, a boat, and a helicopter. What were you waiting for? We are the car, the boat, and a helicopter. And that's God. It's both. They're God's people and they're Moses' people. And so are we. We are God's people and we are Christian people, Christ's people. And we are the way God works in this world. And that's taking responsibility. And the healing sometimes I think we need to do is to wait because God is right on time. But then when we're also called to act, we need to act. And we need to know when. And that takes discernment and that takes prayer. And for our healing today, I invite us to figure out how we do that in your own in our own lives amen